Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to bypass by ignorance or rejection His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. When we really follow Jesus, we will be like Him. Our lives, all that we are, will be totally surrendered to Him. We will be one with Him. It is His desire for us to be one with Him. And this is exactly what Jesus prayed at John 17, starting at verse 20. Neither for these alone do I pray, Father. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in me that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. We can know without a doubt that God loves us. He wants intimacy with us. There is no way for us to be one with him outside of intimacy. At Ephesians 1, verse 4, Paul shares about the Father. Even as in his love he chose us, he actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us, he planned in love for us to be adopted as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will. Why? Because it pleased him. This desire for us is also expressed at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, the only one who takes away the sins of the world, has called us to be holy. A life of holiness includes being pure in heart, in temper, and in disposition. As God's holy people, we will be free from sin and sinful affections. In fact, like our leader Jesus, we will detest sin. Our constant pursuit of Jesus will conform us to His image so that we may spend eternity with Him. Let's look at some of Jesus' qualities and attributes, which we will share as we diligently pursue him. First, at Isaiah 11.1, we see, And there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse, David's father, and a branch out of his roots shall grow and bear fruit. Jesus explained at John 15, verse 1, that this fruit will come from those who love and follow him. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, but he trims clean every branch that does produce fruit, so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already clean because of what I have said to you. Stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me, and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. But you cannot do anything without me. If you don't stay joined to me, you will be thrown away. 
you will be like dry branches that are gathered up and burned in a fire. Stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. When you become fruitful disciples of mine, my Father will be honored. I have loved you just as my Father has loved me. So remain faithful to my love for you. God promised that the Messiah would come from the seed of David. At Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus says, I have sent my messenger, my angel, to you to witness and to give you assurance of these things for the churches. I am the root. I am the offspring of David, the radiant and brilliant morning star. Bible teacher Adam Clark says, Jesus is the splendor and glory of his kingdom. As the morning star ushers in the sun, so shall he usher in the unclouded and eternal glory of his everlasting kingdom. Next, Isaiah 11:2 reads, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit and the fullness of his influences descended upon Jesus. This was recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew 3:16, Mark 1:10, Luke 3:22, and John 1:32. As a result, perfect wisdom, perfect knowledge, and reverence for his Father God were deposited in Jesus the Son. As Jesus was preparing to return to his Father, he told his disciples about the Holy Spirit in the book of John at chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit, who will help you and always be with you. The Spirit will show you what is true. The people of this world cannot accept the Spirit because they don't see or know Him. But you know the Spirit who is with you and will keep on living in you. He explains at John 15, 26, I will send you the Spirit who comes from the Father and shows what is true. The Spirit will help you and will tell you about me. And at John chapter 16, starting at verse 7, But I tell you that I am going to do what is best for you. This is why I am going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me, and he will let you know what is going to happen. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking my message and telling it to you. Because Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit, we can expect his involvement in our lives as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-11. through 11. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom, and to another the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Holy Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, the extraordinary powers of healing by the one Holy Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophetic insight, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose of God. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterances of true spirits and those false spirits. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues. To another, the ability to interpret such tongues. All of these gifts and abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit, who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Jesus, the Messiah, was endowed with all these gifts, attributes, and qualifications for his ministry on earth by the Holy Spirit. 
Colossians 1:15 through 20 tells us that Jesus has all perfection and power forever. Jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He is the visible representation of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created and exist through him and for him. And he himself existed before all things. And in him all things consist and are held together. He also is the head of his body, the church. He is our leader. He is our head. Seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. For it pleased God the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of divine perfection, power, and attributes should dwell in Jesus permanently. And God purposed that through Jesus all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by means of the blood of Jesus' cross. Jesus received the spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom means to know the best means to secure the best ends. It is the right use of or proper exercise of knowledge. At Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 we are told, In Him all the treasures of divine wisdom, insight into the ways and purposes of God, and all spiritual knowledge lie hidden in Jesus. What does it mean to have the spirit of counsel? This points out that Jesus is qualified to give counsel, give advice, and or provide direction. Jesus has all of the qualifications and every necessary credential to be a public instructor and provide guidance. He is the example for every instructor. We read at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who has made to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. When the scripture speaks of might, it refers to strength, vigor, and energy, the strength of heart and purpose. This might, this power enabled Jesus to meet all difficulties, to encounter dangers, to be bold, open, and to be fearless in the discharge of his duty. Let me say, Jesus is not intimidated by man, and neither should we be. The Holy Spirit rested knowledge on Jesus. He had knowledge of the plans of God. Jesus said at Matthew 11, verse 27, All things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father, and no one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father, and no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. Jesus also said at John 1.18, No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom, is in the intimate presence of the Father. He has declared Him, and He has revealed Him and brought Him out where He can be seen, and He has made Him known. For those who truly know Him, Jesus is the only leader. He is the one who possesses all might, is full of wisdom, full of understanding, and able to give counsel. 
Concerning Jesus, Isaiah 11.3a says, And shall make him of quick understanding, and his delight shall be in the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. The reverent fear of God is found in our Lord Jesus. It should be resident in us too. Jesus loves and fears his Father. The phrase fear of God denotes worship, devotion, respect, and reverence. It means he possesses a desire to please his Father at all times. Psalm 111 verse 10 tells us that the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. All of those who do the will of the Lord have a good understanding. Jesus was totally devoted to serving his Father in everything he did. Continuing on at Isaiah 11:3b, And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, neither decide by the hearing of his ears. We also see that Jesus does not reprove, correct, punish, judge, and decide according to the hearing of the ears, but according to justice, according to righteousness. Jesus explained this judgment at John chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants to. The Father doesn't judge anyone, but He has made His Son the judge of everyone. The Father wants all people to honor the Son as much as they honor Him. When anyone refuses to honor the Son, that is the same as refusing to honor the Father who sent Him. Jesus was neither influenced by rank, the power of important people, nor by the offices and positions they held. His judgments were always impartial, without bias or favoritism. Jesus, our leader, was able to discern the true merits of every case. Why? Because he knew what was in man. He saw the true state of the heart, and therefore he was not deceived. He knows what is in each of us, and we can't fool him. At John 2, starting at verse 24, But Jesus did not trust himself to them, because he knew all men. He did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in human nature. He could read men's hearts. At Isaiah 11, verse 4, we find, but with righteousness and justice shall he judge the poor and decide with fairness for the meek, the poor, and the downtrodden of the earth. And he shall smite the earth and the oppressor with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Jesus ensures that true justice is rendered to the meek, the poor, and the downtrodden of the world. Matthew 12, starting at verse 18, echoes what we find in Isaiah 42, verse 1 through 4. Here is my chosen servant. I love him, and he pleases me. I will give him my spirit, and he will bring justice to the nations. He won't shout or yell or call out in the streets. He won't break off a bent reed or put out a dying flame, but he will make sure that justice is done all nations will place their hope in him. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit know that they have no righteousness in and of themselves. They know that their salvation is by the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ, because Jesus is righteous. Isaiah 11:5 tells us that, Righteousness is the girdle of his waist, Jesus' waist, and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. Jesus is the righteous, just, and faithful leader. We want to be in constant pursuit of him who is righteous, 
He has purity of heart. He is holy, just. He is honest, and being impartial gives to everyone what is due. Truth. He is without deception. He hates what is false and does not lie. Jesus is truth. We all need to be full of Him. To live each moment of our lives as if they were our last, let us stand ready to take the road less traveled on our way home to eternity. Many believe they will be in heaven, but they neither have time for the Lord nor do they have regular fellowship with Him. They are in pursuit of the world. Paul describes the hallmarks of such people at Galatians 5, starting at verse 19. The practices of the flesh are obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, divisions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which the Holy Spirit's presence within us accomplishes, is love, demonstrating love to God and those we encounter each day; joy, having cheerfulness, a calm delight and gladness; peace, having quietness and rest, being reconciled with God; patience. This implies suffering, enduring, or waiting. Kindness. Showing favor, being merciful, being gentle; goodness, showing compassion, being benevolent; faithfulness, demonstrating we can be trusted, keeping our word; gentleness, having meekness, humility, and mildness of temper; temperance, demonstrating self-control and calmness. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. We have put our flesh to death with its evil passions, appetites, and desires. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Holy Spirit. Let us not become self-conceited, provoking and irritating to one another, envying and being jealous of one another. If our lives are controlled by the Holy Spirit, the way we live our lives before people will bring glory to God. Then we will look and smell like Jesus Christ. In Second Corinthians two, at verse fourteen, Paul tells us. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory, and through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter, it is an aroma wafted from death to death, a fatal odor. The smell of doom. To the former, it is an aroma from life to life—a vital fragrance, living and fresh. And who is qualified, that is, fit and sufficient for these things? Like Jesus, we will live lives that are led by the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, the fruit in our lives will be neither seasonal nor conditional, but present all day, every day, for all the world to see and bring glory and honor to our Father in heaven. We have perhaps heard it all, but it boils down to what Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 and 14 says so plainly: All has been heard. The end of the matter is: Fear God, revere and worship Him, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man and woman. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. You may have heard the saying: It is not what you know, but who you know that counts. This is true when it concerns Jesus. We need to know Him, and He us. We must be one with Him, 
It is his desire to be one with each of us, regardless of age or anything else. Let's listen once again to Jesus' prayer at John 17, starting at verse 20. Neither for these alone do I pray, Father. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in me, that they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. This process is not easy. If it were easy, it would not be so costly. One would not need to own it or guard it as being precious. Being a Christian, not just in name, but truly living it out, will cost us. It will cost us our total selves, yes, all that we are. But it is worth every bit. At Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Lots of things are said about this parable. Is it about Jesus or us? The answer is yes. I believe it is about Jesus and us. Not only must we be willing to forsake all for him, but Jesus forsook all to do the will of his Father and rescued us. How could we say no to him? At Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Because he lived a sinless life, died to pay our sin penalty, and arose to never die again, Jesus made eternal life possible for all who would dare to believe in and follow him. We are reminded at 1 John 5.20, and we have seen and know that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight to perceive and to recognize and come to know better and more clearly him who is true. And we are in him who is true. We are in his Son, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is the true God, and he is life eternal. Is there anyone who wants to accept Jesus as Savior and Master of your life? Don't assume there will be another opportunity. You may well experience the transition to eternity today. You must be sure that you will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Paul encourages us at Philippians 3, verse 10, to make our greatest desire to truly know him, that we may become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, understanding the wonders of him more strongly and more clearly, and that we may in the same way come to know the power of his resurrection, and that we may share his sufferings while being transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. The hope is that if possible, we may obtain to the resurrection that lifts us out from among the dead, even while in our bodies. Listeners, do you truly know him? Jesus wants you to know that he wants you. He extends an invitation just for you. 
Jesus assures us all at Matthew 11, verses 27 through 30, All things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father, and no one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, that is, meek and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, it is useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. You can find your heart's desire in His. Please come to Jesus. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org. Our telephone number in the United States is 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask that you remember, Life Life is good. good. God God gives life. God God is good. good.